Welcome to the Thrive at 20 podcast, where we're celebrating 20 years of Thrive Partnership Group by sitting down with leaders who have helped shape the legacy of the organization. Here's founder Rob Sagan in conversation with one of those leaders today. Um, so good evening, uh, listeners, to our 20th anniversary podcast here from the Thrive Partnership Group. We're very pleased to have a two-for-one tonight, uh, a BOGO, buy one, get one free. <laughs> we have two guests with us today, uh, a couple of really close friends and a couple of guys I really admire. Uh, Dave Dexter is with us from Coburg, Ontario, and Mark Severin's with us normally from Bridge North, Ontario, but he's out east and beautiful Atlantic Canada on a little bit of a trip. So he's joining us from his hotel. Thanks guys for joining us for an hour. And I think the theme we're going to explore tonight, uh, because both you guys have this as part of your story is, you know, being able to get through a very difficult personal challenge on the health front and what it has, you know, sort of brought to the surface for you, how you've incorporated that period and that challenge and that, I guess, suffering and uh, into your life today and what it's meant to both you guys as you move forward. So maybe Dave, we'll start with you. If you could give us a little bit of background on your, your personal journey, I'll, I'll tell people that I think we met close to 10 years ago when you were treasurer and I believe chief financial officer at the town of Richmond Hill. Is that seen about right? Uh, That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you were just coming off of your, your health challenge. And if I'm not mistaken, you were up against some leukemia, weren't you not? Exactly. Yeah, Rob. It was it was about then. That's the time frame. I guess it was 2010. So we're about a dozen years together, right? It feels like uh, it's been longer. The marriage has been rough. But I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what most of my friends say. It seems awfully long. Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, I, I, I got leukemia, I guess, in my uh, early 40s. Um, it was fully identified for a couple of years after I had it. But uh um i started suffering health problems as a result of it um and so i had a bone marrow transplant it led to a bone marrow transplant in uh 2010 um and that's uh that's a that's an interesting procedure um not so much the actual transplant itself you go through chemotherapy and and uh to really get your immune system down to next to zero and then they do the send it, give you the new stem cells yeah. So that's the that was the easy part. After that, it's the there's a port uh, an adaption to your how your body adapts to these new stem cells. They call it graft versus host um, uh, period, and then it's it's often called a disease too because the body reacts in so many different ways, and everyone's body acts differently to it. Maybe rashing happens or. Uh, maybe you know something like maybe even one of their internal organs starts to fail a bit. I mean, in a very worst case, and or even the worst of cases, they don't make it and they pass away. And so, right. uh, my transplant was 2010, and there was a class of us uh, that went through a transplant. It's like the 26th floor of Princess Margaret Hospital, and I guess there's a they have about a dozen rooms there, or yeah, maybe more, maybe about 14 or to 16, and. So all the people got transplants at the same time. They had different varying forms of, be it leukemia or cancer. Um, and so we all come out and then we all end up going to clinics daily to start and then every other day and so forth. And, you know, the doctors look at our blood counts and see how we're doing and see if we're having side effects. And, you know, it was a tough journey uh, then because uh, just doing it and doing 
going down to Princess Margaret or town. I lived in Calden, so it was a good hour drive every day, but that's that's not a big deal. Um, but you know, at points, you know, some of these people that were in our class, as I call it, uh, I didn't make it, and, and a lot of young people didn't make it um, out of that class or, or other classes that were before us or after. We get to know them every day because we're sitting in waiting rooms together, waiting sure. to see the doctor. Yeah, um, it's that so, intent. It's a pretty intense bond, and uh, it's for such an important part of your life as you're all trying to get through that. I'm sure that the relationships run pretty deep, even though you only really were together with these folks for a few months. Absolutely, absolutely right, and that, that's the heartbreaking thing about it all, right? So, I was fortunate enough to be to still to get through, um, and uh, of course, uh, yeah, and still, still doing well vertically, um, you know, but 13 years later. Uh, so I, I, that never was a, so there was a period of, I was home for the summer that year. Cause it was, I got it done in the like February. So I was home through the summer off work, but, uh, I got to a point where I felt I needed to get back to work. Right. So I went back after seven months, uh, of that, which may have been, I felt maybe it could have been a little aggressive, but I I was ready to do it. I needed to focus on other people's problems, not my own. Um, mm. And so I uh, did. Um, and Richmond Hill, but City of Richmond Hill, they're the one, uh, my employer for, geez, 28 years, uh, embraced me coming back. And um, and then it started reestablishing myself there. And from the wisdom of going through stuff, uh, you know, my approach to dealing with people and accomplishing tasks and all that, it became a little more wiser and thoughtful uh, than maybe before I, I went into all that. Yeah. And I really want to come back to that, Dave, and cover okay. a couple of things with you. And one is sort of the emotional roller coaster that that challenge presented to you through all those stages. And then the adjustment factor to the workplace and you know, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of folks who go through difficult personal challenges, whether it's health or breakup of a marriage or loss of a, a child, uh, something significant, right? And they got to come back and re-engage to, in life, uh, you know, after those circumstances uh, clear up, so to speak. And there's a struggle there. There's an emotional struggle, not so much an intellectual one. So I want to come back to that with you in a, bit, in a little bit, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Sure. And uh, let me introduce our second guest, Mark Severn. So Mark and I are best of friends. We've known each other since we were probably about 10 years old. Grew up in a, Both grew up in a small town called Chalk River. And uh, we've been through a lot together over the past 50 years, I suppose, in our friendship. And Mark, your story is one that always captivates people's interest because the percentages of folks that have gone through what you've come through and come through the other side are remarkably slim and here you are i saw your posting on social media earlier today celebrating seven years since you walked through the front door of the shum in montreal to get them to help you with what you knew was a pretty serious heart issue do you want to take our listeners through a little bit of that story yeah i'd love to rob um well i was uh, i was very interested to uh when you asked me to to do the uh the podcast with you and you know and then to discover that the night that we're doing it the very next day was the first day i went into went into the hospital for the very first time to start my heart transplant journey and um you know and, and it was very um yeah it, um i thought that was um 
divine timing, perhaps. And um, so uh, what happened was um, about seven years ago, um, I went to Montreal to do some um, yoga teacher's training. Decided that's what I wanted to do for my retirement years. I was still working. And uh, did for about two, uh, did the course. It was a month-long course. And about two weeks into it, I was starting to feel, you know, uh, rougher. You know, and I, originally I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to go back to, to jogging, right? Because hockey, I'm going to suck at hockey. And um, <laughs> anyways, it just got um, on my uh, first day of my third week, which will be tomorrow, seven years ago. Um, I was feeling terrible. I was having a hard time breathing and, and stuff and, you know, and so, um, I started walking. I had a, a place in Montreal, about 10 minutes away from the studio. And luckily enough, um, um, along my walk there, uh, about five minutes of my walk, there was a, a hospital, uh, uh, in Montreal. And on this particular day, it took me about, I had to stop about four or five times to hit the hospital, which is like a five-minute walk away. And I look, I could see the studio where we're doing our training from there and wisely decided that I needed to go to the hospital. Um, it took, uh, they accepted me, you know, did all the normal checks and couldn't find what was going on. And um, after... Well, a funny story is they put a pacemaker in, in, in uh, about 10 days into it. They put a pacemaker um, in in the next, you know, in the morning and in, in the afternoon, they had a biopsy. And this is all part of a, a plan they had to figure out what was going on. I'm doing the, the biopsy and you're awake through this time. And I'm talking to the gentleman and all of a sudden he just he just goes, wow, look at that. And this is the technician during the biopsy. Right? This is the technician. I said, well, what do you mean? Because it's your heart. It's expanded. I said, well, I think, well, this cannot be good. And I said, well, how much? He goes, ooh, you know, I, I'm thinking 40%. And I said to him, I said, well, the, the doctors told me it was going to take weeks to, you know, get the results from this test. This test. And uh, the, he said, nope, no, we'll have this pretty, pretty quick. And, um, as you know, Rob, they because uh, you were there when uh, when the doctor came in um, uh, a day later to tell us uh, that he that they had discovered what we had. So this is probably twelve days after I've entered the the hospital, and they said I had uh, giant cell myocarditis, and uh, which is uh, where your immune system attacks your heart. And at the, at the, at the time I was, I was under a lot of, um, stress. My marriage was falling apart and world's crumbling, you know, or seem, seemed to be at that time. And, uh, anyways, when I first, um, looked it up, um, on the internet, I picked an old article and the very first line said, Giant cell myocarditis, usually found during autopsy. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh gee. Yeah. I think I was on the and, same website in the hallway yeah, while you were looking at it. Your yeah. Room. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was uh, you know, and then, uh, and they, they put me through. So that was probably, you know, I went in October 4th or, you know, 
in, in the hospital is probably like uh, that was probably October, I don't know, 20th. I, I don't have it all down, but I remember the next day you came and, and they had talked to me about different drugs and possibly heart transplant. And you had done some research and talked to some, a few people and came back to me the next day and said, man, I think you're going to need a heart transplant. <laughs> and I, I think I was pretty unkind to you at, at that point. <laughs> well, I deserved it. Yeah, well, no, no, I, I don't think you deserved it. It was just that I was just happy that they had discovered something. I, I, I could only take one step at a time, right? Yeah. And so I ended up spending five weeks in the hospital in, in Montreal. And uh, early, I got I got home on a Friday uh, from uh, from Montreal, and on the following Tuesday went in to Toronto General Hospital to meet up with Dr. Elizabeth Ross and her heart specialist team. And she said that at that time that she said, you know, I've never seen anybody marked that's got this and doesn't need a heart transplant list. So we started with seedings. Um, and then I was on the heart transplant, tra- heart transplant list after doing a bunch of tests, December 1st. And I just want to say this, Rob, that before this, I was jogging. I jogged four or five times a week for you know, over 25 years, right? So yeah, I was very, you were one of the very, most in shape people that I knew, like you were a runner, yeah. a hockey player. Yeah. yeah. You cross country skied in the winter. You're even one of the yeah. most active people I know. You know, and so on the heart transplant list, uh, December 1st, um, I, right before Christmas on the 20th, I had a, another, and this is, you know, I had a very, a uh, whole lot of, uh, appointments and different stays in the hospital and stuff. But um, on December 20th, I went into the hospital and I picked a very good day to have a very bad day. You know, it's very funny. I, cause Dr. Ross, when she saw me just said, Mark, you have to stay here and uh, you need to go up. You need to go up to priority list. And um, yeah. And I remember, you, I saw you, I want to say the next day with another buddy of ours, Joe. And I remember Joe's first reaction. We were in the hallway waiting for you and the tech to finish some stuff. And he looked at me and said, man, he's as great as the wall. Like you didn't look good at all, even to a lay person. And I'm not surprised Dr. Ross was reading you a little bit of the riot act in late December. Yeah, no. And you know, that's not the first time I've heard me being so gray. Right. And, you know, very interesting. I, I really don't think I appreciate how close I was, you know, to to uh, not being able to continue. Yeah, but um, I got very lucky. Um, and just for, so our listeners know, I remember speaking to your sister Lynn, who worked as a, I want to say, a critical nurse. care nurse for many years, yeah. and knows her stuff. And she was the one who the night that you were diagnosed and before I came back to the hospital the next day and we had the transplant conversation had uh, educated me on how this might proceed. I asked her, well, what's the best case scenario? And, you know, she said, Robbie, it's uh, if, if Mark does well with this, he'll have someone else's heart and hopefully he'll get a really good run because there are people who do, but yeah, there's a high percentage of people who don't. And I said, well, what's the biggest reason? She said, because there's not enough donors. Like, your waiting list for a heart can be anywhere between 12 and 18 months. And yeah. here you're finding out in December, well, we got you on the list. And I think did 
was it not the case that in late December they've moved you up the priority list? But even then, like even though you're at the top of the list, it's still likely going to be several months. And so, well, and that's yeah, and that's what they kept on telling me, right? Expect this could take months. This could take months. And and you know, you talk to other people too. I mean, it's taken them years to get to this point, right? Yeah. And so, so they told all... you on December twentieth that it's getting very serious for you. Can you share mm-hmm. with our listeners what happened next? Well, um, so um, they put me on the top. I was the top, the top list of uh, in Canada, and uh, so you know, obviously, I wanted to stay home for for Christmas, and uh, they said no, you have to stay here. But thankfully, thankfully, I listened to them, and um, so it was only um, it was only a few days later. I think it was on the twenty second. You know, I'm. <laughs> Is that night I'm watching the Leafs play, and uh, my doctor walks in, or one of the doctors walks in, it's about nine thirty at night, and we're just, you know, just chatting away. And he goes, uh, "Well, he goes, Mark, I think we have a heart for you." So if you think about this, Rob, you know, this all started happening October first. This is December twenty second. Yep. Like this is less than three months. Unbelievable. You know? it, it was. It really was like. You know, at the time, I um, I didn't appreciate it, you know, as much, right? Well, you but, were, you, know, you but, but Mark, to your credit, and I've heard other people talk about this too, and I'm sure Dave will bring this up a little bit more in detail. You get into this sort of survival mindset where it's just moment to moment, like you just have exactly, to be moment yeah. to moment, right? So yeah. that doesn't surprise and, me. Now, looking back, you look at things a little differently, right? Yeah, well, I, I, absolutely. That's probably one of the biggest lessons I, I learned throughout that is don't look too far ahead just stay right here stay in this moment don't let yourself go down any rabbit holes just kind of be right here right now right that never really helped and stuff so um that night um you know i think i i won under around 4 30 in the morning of december 23rd and um um i, I don't know if i worked if I was woken on on uh, on the twenty fourth or on Christmas Day, I, I can't remember all that part. But it was, um, yeah, it was very quick, very fast, uh, very um, <laughs> very emotional, very up and down. What's the um, first thing you remember when you came out of it? Because I seem seem to recall one of your sisters telling me that you came out of it late afternoon, like you were conscious. And I want to say you called your mom, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, What was the first thing that came to mind when you were coming through back to consciousness? Well, it's very funny because you and I've had this discussion about, you know, um, about, you know, seeing the light and, you know, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I remember what I remember mostly is I'm I just remember just you know oh you know just having some thoughts and I think it was like oh I wonder if the Maple Leafs won last night <laughs> and all of a sudden it dawned on me oh my god I'm thinking I'm a, I'm alive <laughs> <laughs> and I'm living in a nightmare because the Leafs lost again no, <laughs> but yeah no it was uh that that was i, I remember that it was like because i was i was thinking about you actually that well, how am i gonna like what am i gonna say to say like it'd be nice to have uh you know 
a good uh, you know a good story but anyways it was i remember that was my, my first thought you know and it was uh it was a uh it was a long recovery time you know uh, i mean i was very fortunate i had i had a huge support system around me you know so no it's uh yeah very challenging um but um well I'm blessed. I, I'm. I think that's the only way I can. I feel very blessed. And you know what, Rob? I like I said, I was just in Montreal, um, just uh, on the way up. Uh, we're at a family wedding, so we stopped in Montreal for a uh, for a day. And I I wanted to show uh, my friend Deb. There's a statue out front of the out front of the hospital where I first entered and it's, um, it's a beautiful statue and it's a guy, um, down on one knee with his head lowered. And I remember, um, once I was able to go outside, uh, in my stay in Montreal, I remember going down and looking at that statue and thinking, Oh my God, I know, I know exactly how you feel. Cause that's exactly where I was, yeah. you know? And then, Seven years later, you come walking back, and very interesting. My first thought was, "Ooh, that statue's a lot smaller than than what I remember." <laughs> and then, you know, it just dawned on me that you know, I'm seven years later, and my life has—I have so many things to be thankful for, you know. Yeah, it was, yeah. Just, it was just a real. It was a real like, like. <laughs> someone grabbing me by the cup shake me up and going hey look at what you got this is where you were just seven years ago now look where you are right yeah, and it was yeah. it was it was very profound and very uh um yeah i'm very thankful i'm very thankful yeah not that you'd want to have to go through something like you and dave have gone through uh but dave i wouldn't mind your commentary on this but i remember both you guys saying at various points that there were at least a couple of positive surprises and not that you'd want anyone to go through what you guys went through, but Dave, what for you was a positive surprise of everything that's happened with your health and with life in the last 15 years? Um, I guess uh, the biggest positive was the change that uh, how I approached life. I mean, before all that, and it maybe even drove me to the, the illness was, uh, I was like a hyper type A person, right? And um, and, and you know, I mean, it's, it's, as younger people can be, um, you know, maybe too sure of myself at times um, than I should have been, um, and stretching my limits too far, as opposed to, uh, anyways, all that stuff. Um, it just the process get just gained a whole lot of wisdom um through it though i mean I've, as I, I often reflect on it um my type a personality probably helped me survive too because i uh took up the uh approach as i was going through it all especially the graph versus host the after stages keep running run forest run um i that's the took try to catch me if you can right so i mean yeah. that that's kind almost of a, almost, a, almost a defiant attitude, eh, Dave? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that the stubborn. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I, I, with respect to knowledge of of the is of the illness and some of the really deeper stuff. I mean, a lot of people would delve deep in to really get understanding. I didn't want to get that deep. I would, I'd, I'd go knee deep on knowledge of it, and I just want to let the power of mind of mind take over um, best I could by running. Um, and yeah. that was my, that was my approach. So, uh, I mean, I think I, I, I learned really learned the power of positive thinking and, and that from that process. And of course, I gained a lot of wisdom and, and how to really better deal with people. And I, you know, I turned that around into my, into my career. And I think I, I my career was, you know, really blossomed after I came back and I, I credit it all to the wisdom reflection I gained from that process. So that, well, that that's... Hey, what, what, what would uh, people have noticed most um, between pre-leukemia Dave and post-leukemia Dave? Like if I was one of your team members, listen, notwithstanding how much you got great support from Dean Miller and the whole team at Town of Richmond yeah. Hill, there's no, there's no question that you know, once you settle back in, then people sort of get on with it, right? And it would have been interesting for me, I wish I'd done this now and look back to talk to some of the folks that work with you every day and say, okay, describe pre-leukemia, Dave, to me and post-leukemia, Dave. What would have been the biggest change that they saw? I once had a good head of hair, right? Um, <laughs> now I look like Mark. <laughs> I look like you, Dave. <laughs> um. You know, I would I would just spend more time. Uh, you know, I instead of saying do this and do this by this time, it was more like okay, sit down and tell me about it. What do you think you need? Do you would what What do you think to get it done? Tell me about. It. Let's negotiate and discuss the deadline, right? And we'll come to some sort of. It was more of a less uh, directive person to be more collaborative person, right? Um, and. Um, I think that made a difference for, for uh, you know, the people that were there uh, and opened arms to me when I came back to wanting to stick around and work with me because I was, I, I became a whole lot more, maybe more reasonable than I used to be. Yeah. And I didn't get to see your leadership style before, because we really met just after you came back to the workplace, but I did get, you know, sort of spontaneous feedback from the folks that were reporting up into you and comments and even I think we did a survey or two and one of the things they did comment on was that they felt they had ownership on their jobs that you weren't prepared to tell them what to do and how to do their jobs but give them a chance to think through you know what did they want to accomplish and how they saw the journey there's that word ownership really jumps out to me so that's really interesting that that was a big piece of wisdom you brought from your own challenges right yeah, I mean, you, you go through and, and Mark probably said there's you get a, you have a team of people at the hospital that look after you in in all aspects, um, and that team gets you through. Um, and it, you know that just makes you really think. Coming out, it's like you know what you can't. You're no better than the person actually who who reports to you in the situations or anything. They, we all need to be together to get something done. Um, and if we don't get together, then we don't get it done. We don't succeed. Uh, yep. So if all those great doctor teams and all that didn't come together and work as such a great team, then you know what? Maybe you know I wouldn't be here talking to you now, right? Or yep. or other people. Um, anyway, so you know that 
made me realize, okay, you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm just here. I get to speak on the microphone, but I don't really do the work you guys do at all. Um, and that we're come together as a team. I'll do my part and you guys do your part and then we'll, we'll end up at the end and succeed. And then we all get to go home and spend time with our families. Um, and you know, I guess I really learned, you know, you know, I really became more of that person. Right. And you realize that, you know what, trust people for you. Don't distrust them. Right. Right. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, especially when you were paid in your profession to manage risk and to have the answers. And there was a lot of pressure there because of the stakes, the fact that it's public money, it's public service. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that accountability baked into your job. So the pressure to have all the answers yourself, Dave, is it never went away. I think what you did a really good job of when I met you was making sure that there was a unified response that had ownership beyond yourself. Uh, You couldn't... the people above you could not divide and conquer. There was a real cohesion to what kind of service your team put together and uh, credit to where credit's due. I, I felt as, as much as any leader I was working with at the time, you really went the extra mile to have the extra conversations to engage people. Cause it's so much quicker just to tell them what to do and how to do it. Right. They're, they're, that's expedient. Uh, but I'm not sure in that environment, it would have been, smartest approach because you would have gotten eaten alive by some of the aggressive behavior you see at you know council meetings and budget reviews because those guys can those guys aren't afraid to to get into it because they're fighting there for political lives their jobs and for the townspeople so high high pressure environment certainly your approach seemed to to be the right one for what i could see so good on you dave yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, I, mean, yeah, I always say. I mean, if I didn't have some really talented people with o- open minds and all that stuff and problem solvers, man, I mean, it doesn't work, right? So it's, it's all a team thing. And yeah, we, we became a fortress, or not a fortress, a family more. Uh, the finance group there realizing that yeah, we got to deal with the council. And they don't understand, right? But they, we got them to a point of trusting us. I mean, that's a big thing politicians trusting what comes up and it's it's often not good news because finance news is never really often good news um but they trusted us to tell and come up with tell them to be be courageous enough to tell the story give the the information yeah yeah and then uh, recommend solutions that aren't something people like like how going to residence and you have to pay more fees or taxes or it's never good right that's in that industry but we we gain trust um and respect and what more could you ask in 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 public service yeah yeah and my dad as you know was on the other end of that public service relationship he was an elected member of a little village municipality that that we grew up in for 25 years and i'm sure he would appreciate having that same kind of relationship and he did luckily with his administrative head of municipality he could trust what paulie would tell him and as difficult as it was it was better to hear it from her straight up before he went to a council meeting and got barraged by the ratepayers and taxpayers so i think you yeah, took the right absolutely. approach dave so good on you uh so mark what about for you like if you you've had lots of feedback from conversations with family and friends but what do you think has been the biggest change in your approach to life before your heart issues and now after? Well, um, hmm. Hmm. well, I'll put it this way, Rob. I think what I discovered that in any hardship, um, that there's um, jewels or 
pearls, like, you know, little pearls of goodness that, that come out. And for me, um, I mentioned that, you know, my, my marriage was, was failing. And I, I, you know, I have to say that my, my ex, uh, stayed around and really helped me through. So I, I do have to mention that. But, you know, before, like my, my pearl uh, coming out of that or one of them was how loved I was, you know, how much of a support system I had, how much, you know, before I always thought about love as, you know, just me between, you know, you and your significant other. But what I was shown was how much, um, my family, my siblings love me, how much my friends, you know, you and, and a few others love me, how much my kids love me and how much, you know, support I got from, 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 you know, to, to discover, uh, you know, I come from a big family like yours, right. And to discover that how loved you are, um, was, um, at, at times overwhelming, right. I remember you saying, yeah, at yeah, times yeah, it almost I, overflowed yeah. your cup. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, So that that was my 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 big um, my big thing. You know, I I mentioned that I was doing my yoga teachers training, and I'm a I I teach yoga now, Um, and it's it's been a real passion and and something I'm really thankful for. And um. You know, it was very funny because it, you know, it was supposed to, the training I was doing was a 200 hour training. Well, I started that in, you know, September 19th, 2016, and I ended up finishing it in, in <laughs> I don't know, it was like probably, uh, you know, June of 2019. And I always thought that when I look back, that my 200 hour yoga teachers training just turned into a more of an intensive uh, yoga teachers training because what it taught me was, as we talked about is, you know, staying in the moment and, you know, and that, that really uh, served me well. Um, I think one of the things that the other day really showed me, and and I mean, I've known this, but it really highlighted it for me was that storms will pass and the sun will come back out. You know, we all go through our own personal stormy weather. And, you know, if you can hang on long enough, it's going to turn around. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so that, that was, that, that was a huge one. Um, how has you know, it changed, Mark, how has it changed your outlook? Um, I would say in the spiritual realm, because I would say you're probably one of the most spiritual people I know. I uh, wouldn't say religious, but spiritual, very much so. Like it's been part of your makeup for as long as I've known you. But did it change in any way your relationship with God, which is how I define spirituality? Did it change in any way through the experience? I think I think the way I would put it, Rob, is it, it deepened it. I believe that my faith. Um, no, I don't believe I know. My faith really helped me. Um, through this excuse me um and yeah i think yes i mean i mean everything uh, you know anything that you go to anything that you go through like kind of forms who you are right you know yeah. one one of the ways and so some of the things that that have you know i was in a i would say before this happened i was in a 
I felt like a, a gerbil on a gerbil wheel, you know, and just, you know, running, 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 not getting anywhere, living the same day, every day kind of thing, not realizing how unhappy I was, you know. And so I think um, to what it has made me do is, you know, you realize the depth of your unhappiness and that um, you're, it, it made me, it made my thirst for spiritual uh, knowledge um, grow intensely because, you know, it's like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Yep. So I think, you know, some of the things that, that have, have, have changed or no, I don't want to say change because I think I was on this road already, but just kind of um, deepen my appreciation for it, I guess, is one is, you know, Staying in the moment, enjoying the moments. Um, you know, I, I I think I've always had this, but it really highlighted as well is helping others. You know, contributing you know to the bigger picture. Which I mean, your parents had a big influence on me, and that that was a, one of the big things that they were huge on, right? So, I mean, I've 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 always tried to do that in my life, but that just highlighted the the need for that and. Um, how important that is to to lead a fulfilled life, I think. Um, also taught me about I'm responsible for where I am in life, no matter no matter what, you know, no matter how many bad things have happened, and but I'm still responsible for to get out. I'm, I'm responsible for for my for my thoughts, my actions, you know, and that really highlighted that. And lately, lately. I'm really liking the way this is going, but I want to live my, I want to lead my life with love, you know, and not in a, in the sense of, um, you know, if I go into any um, you know, conversation, a tough conversation, you know, with, with one of my kids or, or anything like that, I, I want to, I really try to think and, and pray about you know how would love you know handle this situation how can i how can i make this so that it's it, it we're going to come out in a peaceful loving way and right. that that has been that, that has been huge i think right and it's really helped to bring me more inner peace right would and, you say that you're significantly happier now than pre heart issues Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think, I think what I needed to do or, you know, last what, seven years, learn to stand up on my own two feet, you know, become more responsible for myself to, you know, be responsible for my own happiness. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, so Dave, I, I'm, I'm way, I'm, I'm way up, right? and you know that, right? Like it just, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was a, it was like God picked me up by the, my cuffs, shook me hard, you know, and said, "You don't get it yet," <laughs> and said, "You know, you need to, you need to, um, you know, you need some to work on some things, Mark." The other thing I would like to say, Rob, that. 
has been throughout, you know, the healing process of both our transplant, you know, and the, uh, um, you know, loss of a marriage and, and stuff is um, how important forgiveness is. And it, I mean, that's a big part of, you know, Jesus talks about that. And I never really understood that, you know, until, um, you know, these last few years about how you should take the lessons from your past and from your hardships, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to pull around like an anchor weighing you down. They can let it go. Right. And then you can, you can, you know, take the lessons but leave everything else behind, right? And it has been that has been an important lesson to me. I'll bet. Yeah, Dave, Dave uh, for you, when you think about that aspect of your life before your challenge with leukemia and after, did your spiritual life change at all or did it stay the same? Um, yeah, my, my spiritual, uh, well, my religious life has taken a journey in a, in, um, I guess it was over later years after my transplant. Um, I guess I've never been a, a deeply religious person. Um, but, uh, anyways, but so, but spiritually, I mean, I, this, I, I really believed in the power of the mind, um, then. And so I felt it was in my own hands. I didn't want to, I don't want to sound uh, arrogant here, but I I just kind of, I try not to, I I just tried to keep myself busy and, and run. Right. So, and stay positive as you were saying before. Yeah. So I never really took a lot of focus in, 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 like I, I, I believe I, you know, I am a spiritual person. Probably not to the level of others on the call here, um, but I, I am. Um, but I think um, I just, just did that. But I always, I came out uh, when I came out. I, and I was always a, a, a giver of my time to help volunteer and all that stuff. I spent you know, so many times, you know, of course, volunteered all my kids' programs and sports and all that right but i also you know i helped out at a local church and i continued to do that afterwards uh um to help help them out as a, in a financial role um and then of course i when i first came out uh i joined up for the uh uh road hockey to conquer cancer and that was run by the princess margaret and it's one one of their biggest fundraising events and uh there was the first year of it i came out and i was actually the first team I was the first captain and generated a team for that. So that was a proud moment. And I had a bunch of guys on the street I lived on. We'd always played road hockey and we just kind of got together and, and, uh, you know, got, were able to generate funds through some grassroots fundraising and, uh, and play some hockey, some road hockey for a couple of years in that tournament. So that was really good. Um, So I came by, I think I became more, um, you know, you know, giving, uh, not that I was not giving before, but it was more of, you know, it's like, you know what, you know, continue to give of yourself. Right. And um, yeah. And you, you don't know if you've really uh, made a very, I'd call it a positive transition from a full-time working 
gig uh, in your career to now, I think you're retired for what a year now, Dave. And you and Jody have moved out to Coburg from uh, Caledon. So away from the GTA into a little quieter community and you're fully enjoying that transition. Uh, maybe share some of the things that you've decided to lean into and you pick them carefully. So I, I, I admire that. So what, what's keeping you busy now that you're not working every day? Well, um, uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm about a year and a half retired and I guess, uh, you know, I, I knew retirement was coming in my latter years. So I started taking inventory of who I was and things that really turned my crank and of interest. And, um, so I I use that kind of inventory knowledge uh, that's at the forefront of my mind when I go out there and you know and and, and you know volunteer um, because I I fully believe in that. So I've uh, I I'm on the board of the uh, local hospital foundation, Northumberland Hospital Foundation. So I you know it goes back. I feel I owe a lot to the health system for for everything we talked about here right and yeah so that was the first one and then of course uh rob you and i uh sort of picked up there with the uh, with the community living group and that sort of become the the challenger program for baseball and be i always loved sports and uh helping challenge athletes back in my day you actually tipped me off to go work for this the volunteer for special olympics back uh when i was living in caledon for the so i did for their basketball program and just continued that down here when we you and I and, and Christine and uh Jody and and all the other great volunteers that we had a really good year and um and that's that's quite a rewarding thing to work with the challenge athletes to try to help them you know get a little better at the game and have fun um so and then also I got cornered on the street <laughs> uh by uh, dog walkers right and I walk my dog I have a, do- a dog and we've always had rescue so a lady asked if I'd volunteer my time to the humane society on their board and so now I'm the treasurer on the board. Um, and um, uh, that's probably a reflection to my inability to say no. Uh, but anyways, uh, it's, it's really, it's a good rewarding work. Or your big heart. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Um, <laughs> the big hearts when you guys let me take that extra mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I think you guys uh, both had a giant mulligan off the proverbial life tee. Uh, yeah, when you stop and think about amen. it so you, you've hit the second shot right down the middle from what i could see both of you but dave this opportunity for you and joey to come out here and just look at your week now right and i guess it's it's really cool to think because i remember the conversations you and i were having as you were preparing for your life after your full-time work and if i'd said to you then i was looking at a crystal ball you're going to live in this great little community along lake ontario you got to get a chance to volunteer for a local hospital, the uh, uh, challenger sports program for sp- special needs athletes and for the humane society. And, you know, it's going to be a pretty good gig. I think you would have been pretty excited about that. And I could see how much you're enjoying your life out here. It's just great to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, guys, I really appreciate your time this evening. Hey, Rob, gonna- can I, can I add something? Yeah, I was going to say, well, I want you to both think about, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure we talk a little bit about before we uh, we call it a night? Well, I, I would just like to comment. Dave was talking about the power of mind, you know, and I, I just want to, you know, and it's brought to listen to him and then thinking about my situation. And I, I just want to, you know, at no time, you know, I know I, I know I was very close to, to death and stuff, but at no time, 
did I even allow that thought to, to enter? You know, I never, I never thought it was going to die. And I know, you know, like I said before, I don't, I, I think I was a lot closer than, than I would like to admit, but it just never, it never, you know, I never thought like, I never, I wasn't scared that way. I never thought this is the, I, I didn't think this is the end of my time. And, you know, I think that, you know, after listening to Dave, that, that probably helped a lot as well. Right. You know, through the recovery or to get me to the recovery. How's that? Yeah. I think both you guys clearly stayed on the path of assuming that the best case scenario was reachable. If you just kept focusing on it and allowing the team around you to help you get there in wildly mm-hmm. different circumstances, but that positive thinking as well as staying in the moment seems to be a couple of common ingredients. Dave, anything else you want to add to our conversation that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure we spend a little time on? Um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, not, not a lot. I think a lot, a lot's been said. Uh, uh, I think, you know, you can't make it alone in this, in, in anything. And, you know, you think we le- we learned really quickly that, uh, you know, we need, we need help uh, every, and everyone, you know, and there's good people out there and, and you got to, you know, you trust first and, you know, it, you, everything's accomplished as a team and whatever it is, work, volunteerism, geez, get health, getting, getting us healthy, getting people, you know, healthy through the hospital and all that stuff. So, you know, you can't, can't make it without good people in the world. Right. And it's, uh, it's truly a blessing. Well, thanks guys. I really appreciate the conversation and uh, I look forward to picking up right where we left off tonight on our next golf outing <laughs> whatever that'll be <laughs> uh, but thanks for giving us some of your time and i know our audience is going to very much enjoy what they uh, what they'll hear on our podcast so uh, safe travels to you mark coming home from atlantic canada and dave uh, we'll see you around the community absolutely guys take care thanks eric yeah thanks eric thanks rob thanks dave take care guys you guys have a great night you too